In our next conversation, we meet Jan Klingler, a German industrial designer settled here in Stockholm. 30 years of age and already awarded a number of times for his groundbreaking work. He's also working as a research assistant at the Laboratory for Clinical Microbiology at Karolinska University Hospital. Besides Jan, we're intrigued by his bacterial lamp. It's the result of his master's from Konstfack in 2018, and the project was called In a New Light. It was nominated to Design Prize for Maxnova. His unique bacterial lamp is inspired by microbiology, and he's committed to make objects that tell a story, to create a strong bond with the user. And I read his own words as an introduction to you. There are less than 100 species of bacteria that can cause infections in humans, but still its association with disease persists. We are masters at consciously avoiding bacteria while unconsciously needing them. I want to transform our perception of bacteria as a carrier of disease to a carrier of meaning by picking up on these strong emotional triggers and refocusing them to something positive. So join us, me, Linda Nordin, and Jukke Olander in this conversation with Jan Klingler on how bacteria became art, our human bones and fingerprints, and what it's like to be a pathfinder. Bacteria is now officially art. Yes, yes. So it's just great to to have you here, John. Of course, it would be even more amazing to uh, to have you, you know, uh, live. But we do this the Zoom way. Um, the first time I I learned about you was, you know, when I I read about the bacteria lamp that you designed, uh, and that you now sell at Bukowski's. Is that right? Uh, yes, exactly. And I think that's how most people heard of me, <laughs> especially in Sweden, yeah. <laughs> because I'm not Swedish. Yeah. But how did you get the idea of this lamp made out of bacteria? Tell us the story. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a longer story, but I th- try to break it down. Um, so basically, um, when I was starting my studies, uh, I, I started to, to do industrial design. And um, doing this in Germany, where I originally come from, um, it was very, very hardcore industrial design. Um, so basically, a lot of my friends and a lot of people I know, they ended up in the, in the car factories, which Germany is obviously very famous for. Um, and during our studies, we were very much drilled into making things and products um, that I already could foresee that they didn't have a long lifespan, maybe one, two years. Um, and then they were supposed to be replaced by something new, um, which is very ingrained in our society overall, over the entire world at the, yeah, at the moment, kind of this consumerism, uh, always having something new, even though the old maybe still works. So I was getting very conflicted early on already to kind of uh, just produce something that is going to be disposed um, and I was looking into how I can make objects that have a long and uh, lasting relationship with their owners so they don't want to throw them away or at least not throw them away before they're, they're broken or don't work anymore. And it sounds very easy, <laughs> but it was a very <laughs> challenging kind of uh, project and very challenging uh, thing to do. Uh, so I finished my bachelor in Germany, and then I was looking around, basically, where I can pursue this this idea. 
um, of making these kind of objects. And I found uh, Konstfak. And uh, this is the very prestigious art school here in, in, in Sweden. I think every Swede uh, knows it. Um, and that's school offered a, a master in industrial design that was called individual study plan. So basically you can come up or you can come with a in general idea of what you want to do and then next to the, the set course work that you obviously have you can kind of pursue your own goal and your own vision. Um, and that was kind of perfect for me because <laughs> When I was in, in, in the school in Germany, which, as I said, was very hardcore industrial design, I was always too, too artsy for them almost. And I felt like, okay, then I go to a school that is very heavily based on art, and then I'm going to maybe find the answers there. And then it was really funny because when I started at Konstwerk, I was, uh, I was too technical, they told me. I was too, <laughs> too uh, kind of, uh, yeah, I... I was trying to always set aims per week and kind of fulfill them. And they said that that's not how it works in an art school. Okay, so it was not just about uh, adjusting to the, the Swedish culture uh, at that time in your life. It was also about uh, dealing with the, the Kunstfack way of, of doing things and, and finding your cultural uh, me. Um, I know there was a lot of traveling in your life at this point too, you know, to, to France and Germany and Sweden back and forth. And how how did that affect your uh, your approach and the, your coming work? So uh, <laughs> there was a lot of traveling involved, and I, I, I at that point I wasn't such a materialist. I really just had uh, basically what I needed um, in these two bags because it's easy to pack down, and you don't have any baggage quite literally that is holding you back. Um, so I was looking into into this uh, these two suitcases, into these two bags when I when I came to Sweden, um, to actually see what do I carry around with me, what is important to me. And of course, there were a lot of things that make a lot of sense, like clothes, clothing, um, and other things like um, art supplies. Um, but then there were also uh, some things that didn't make any sense. Uh, for example, an aftershave. Um, that I'm really, really allergic to, so I can't use it. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, reminding me of my grandfather because it was my grandfather's aftershave. So every time I see the flask, mm -hmm. I already think of them. And when I when I smell it, I, I even get like this unconscious kind of <laughs> memory flashbacks almost. So and then the same thing. I, I also have a chess set, uh, whereas I'm not even playing chess, but it's uh, the chess set of my great-grandmother and it's uh, it was very meaningful to her and it's handmade and it's very uh, very well done so she carried around it with her since she was uh, a young girl and uh, so I also carried that further with me because that's the the only thing that I basically um, wanted and inherited from her um, so that also gives me me flashbacks basically of memories with her when you applied to uh, to Konstfakt, did you already had the idea about working with uh, bacteria, or uh, was that uh, later? So, starting from that point, um, the journey just obviously had still begun, um, because then I was like, okay, how can I make new objects that already are so loaded uh, with memories of people or places that it is kind of indisposable for, for the new owner? Um, and after an extensive research, I, I stumbled upon um, a, a text 
that basically uh, was about bacteria and microbes and talking that every place and every human being has its very unique microbiological fingerprint. And in that moment, it was kind of a little bit like this eureka moment, the moment that you, you waited for, because um, then I, I got this, these memories of my high school biology class, which I also really loved, and we were growing these Petri dishes. And I was already back in the day really fascinated by the pattern and by the growth in these, in these dishes. Um, whereas, of course, not everyone in my class was as fascinated and as into it, uh, because we have a very particular um, approach to bacteria in society. But when I kind of put these two things together, I, I kind of was like, yes, I, I found a way to make a new object uh, that has something so personal in, in it uh, by taking bacteria from places or people that uh, are important uh, to me or to, to other people and kind of encapsulate that in, a, in the form of a, of a Petri dish. So given what you described now, how did you translate this to the idea of making a lamp mm. out of bacteria? Yeah, that's, uh, that was also um, a, a nice journey, basically, because uh, when I was starting to work with the bacteria, um, I was uh, starting to do my own growth medium and experimenting with that. But very soon I kind of thought, okay, this is, uh, this is something that people have been working with for 100, 150 years. So they, they are such specialists in this field. And here I am as an artist just trying to, to do my own thing and kind of starting from scratch again, which didn't make so much sense. So I, uh, I kind of tried my network and I reached out uh, uh, after a, a short uh, kind of, yeah, uh, friend of a friend of a friend to a professor uh, who, to my surprise, invited me uh, to Karolinska, the university hospital here in Stockholm, uh, because he's working as a microbiologist. Oh, actually, he's, uh, yeah, he's actually the head of the blood culture lab at Karolinska in, in Hüdinge. Um, so he invited me to the laboratory and showed me around and showed me the different growth media that they have developed uh, like in the field. And that just completely pulled me in. And then I was completely baffled when he basically invited me to, to just experiment a bit or like look into like their workflow and how they work with the material and learn from it and showed me different colors and different patterns. And, and it was just... I, as I said, I was already in love with it when I studied, uh, or when I had biology in high school, uh, but that was kind of the, the not just the next level, it was like 10 levels ahead. So I, I started uh, with um, kind of getting some of the nourishment ground myself, and uh, I let people at my school uh, actually grow things uh, from either their own skin or uh, an object that they really, really loved. And um, the patterns and the colors that turned out of it were absolutely, utterly fascinating and beautiful. But still, when I even showed it to the people that it belonged to, they always kept kind of like a safe distance. <laughs> they were a little bit like, mm -hmm. ah, okay, this is beautiful. <laughs> yes, but it's bacteria. So thank you for like keeping <laughs> like a meter or a meter 50 kind of distance. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, how can that be? It's so beautiful. Like, how can you not be drawn into this? Um, and then I was thinking, okay, 
what is actually something that no human can resist and that everyone wants to get cl close to. And, and uh, I came to the, the media of light uh, because we humans are almost like moths. When there's a light, we're kind of drawn to it. There's so many different kind of lamps and especially in the north where we have a lot of darkness. I mean, there's this whole light culture. Um, so I was thinking, okay, I can actually combine light and the bacteria and the light is first of all enhancing the colors and the brightness of of this uh, of the bacteria growing and also it's kind of drawing people more in like close to it and the glass is kind of giving a physical barrier as well between the the bacteria and the spectator and uh that worked really, really well. So people were immediately drawn to it uh, when I exhibited it at the final exhibition uh, at Konstfak, um, at the graduation exhibition that is done yearly. And when the people from uh, Karolinska, the hospital staff, some of them came actually to this exhibition, which was super, super nice of them. They were just standing a little bit apart, like away from it, and were just like super fascinated and astonished that people all of a sudden wanted to come close. Because usually, even when they try to show people and interested them in their field, and I mean they are specialists, they know that nothing's dangerous, and they 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 try to show it to people. Even that level of like, yes, this is a specialist. They say it's not dangerous, but I'm still kind of keeping a distance. Um, but all of a sudden, it was an object that people wanted to get close to and wanted to learn about it. And, and they were asking questions like, oh, what kind of bacteria is this? Uh, it was, uh, I, I think, in that moment, blowing their mind a bit. And I was really, really happy about that, that it kind of also got that level of education, basically. Mm -hmm. I fully understand that. It's a beautiful story. You are such a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just love when you when you talk about uh, showing the microcosmos, making that visible. Yeah, and I mean it's uh, that was also one of the main things. Uh, but I mean, of course, first I wanted to make a new object uh, that kind of incorporates something so personal that you never throw it away. But um, especially after the exhibition, the very first exhibition that I had, I also saw this. Uh, educative uh, kind of aspect of the project more and more. And I think there's so much we, we can and have to learn about the microorganisms that live on us, around us, and inside of us, um, because we're, we're very blatant. Uh, people, especially now during the, the pandemic that we're in, um, kind of always confuse uh, bacteria and virus uh, a lot. So I get that question a lot, if I could put uh, the coronavirus into a lamp. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's not possible. <laughs> in that degree because they don't grow the same way and you, they're microscopic. And I also wouldn't mm. put something like that in... Yeah, that would be a real biohazard. <laughs> and I think mm. then I would get a lot of problems really quickly. Um, but uh, I, I want to kind of people get interested in, in, in this microcosmos and learn that... I mean, it's often said that we're 10 times more bacteria than human cells. So in a lot of cases or in most cases we're actually living in a very good symbiosis and a ne very necessary for us uh, the symbiosis um, mm. but as something goes out of whack with everything if anything is, is, is too too much uh, then of course we have negative consequences from time to time as well possibly and that is what mm. people connect with it not the positive attributes that we have on a daily mm. basis but if something ever goes wrong then that's what we connect with it mm. 
Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. And, and it kind of brings us over to um, the next uh, topic that we would like to talk to you about. Um, it's uh, about people's attitudes towards bacteria. Um, how would you describe the, the general state of knowledge about bacteria in, in society today? What do people think of bacteria from your point of view? I think the the knowledge that we have from bacteria in the general public um, is is quite limited, and it's very very led by companies that actually want to profit to sell you uh, things to get rid of bacteria. Uh, mm-hmm. We often see bacteria due to these commercials for disinfectants and everything uh, as a carrier of disease that we need to get rid of. Um, and in, in, in my view, um, or in my project, I kind of wanted to educate people that it's uh, bacteria kind of get away from this image of bacteria as a carrier of disease to a carrier of meaning. Um, show mm. people that, uh, that they're all around us, they're, they're beautiful in their own way. Uh, we can't see them, where there's actually a lot of fears coming from, uh, because it's this in, invisible danger that no one can grasp. Um, but as soon as it's kind of visible to the bare eye, it, it loses a little bit of the threat, and and you can kind of admire uh, this this yeah this cosmos of of what is around us but invisible usually. Now that's just a beautiful way of putting it. I think to see bacteria as carrier meaning, not just a carrier of disease, um, and getting that message out might be a bit tricky with a kind of. Exp- Expensive lamps, you know, it's art, so it shouldn't be cheap. <laughs> but uh, they're around twelve hundred to three thousand euros each. Um, and one way to make your message more accessible uh, is uh, launching a different kind of carrier of this message, right? I am very working very extensively right now on this uh, project or this new company, uh, actually called uh, Tiondel which is uh, meaning one-tenth in Swedish, uh, Tiondel, um, and plays a little bit with what I've said before, that humans, uh, it's often said that humans are 10 times more bacteria than human cells. So I want to bring this one-tenth of human into this bacteria kind of object again. Um, And that is a a jewelry uh, brand, actually. And as it is a lot smaller, because I'm first going to work uh, with uh, pendants and, and brooches, um, it's a lot more accessible. Uh, I can't name an exact price yet because I'm, I haven't launched yet. Uh, and otherwise, people could pinpoint me to this podcast, hopefully, uh, to say, like, you said this would cost this much, but it's a, it's a fraction of the price uh, that, uh, that a lamb costs. And it's very much uh, very accessible. Um, and the idea is very much still the same. I, I sent out a little kit uh, uh, to the person that that ordered uh, this this jewelry, um, which is basically a stale cotton swap and a bit of liquid, um, you take a swap from the person or even from the place that is important to you, and then send it back to me. And I uh, grow this this very special um, piece, uh, which is basically just a small petri dish um, for for you or for the customer. And then uh, kind of go through the same process of like uh, making it non-viable and sealing it, putting it into this uh, pendant or a brooch and sending it out uh, to to the customer or to the to the person that is supposed to receive this piece. 
And then it's a very, very personal um, item that hopefully will stay with you for the rest of your life. You know, I'm going to order one, and then I guess I would swab the, the cheek of my kids and put those um, microfloras together in a jewelry. Inside jewelry. or outside? Outside the cheek, because I love to streak the cheek. Yeah. Not inside the mouth, but it could be an option. <laughs> like a DNA test. Yeah. <laughs> a exactly, COVID test exactly. from the nose. No. <laughs> but that actually brings us also to a kind of interesting part of the, of the project, because it's uh, what I'm going to do is just uh, the outside of the skin. I don't go into the body, uh, because uh, the risk of having a pathogen on the, on the outside skin is microscopic, saying it microscopic again, but it's microscopic small. It's very, very small and also in the environment. Um, so, but as soon as you go inside the body, you can, of course, kind of uh, get all kinds of different microorganisms. Um, so it is just on the outside of the body or of a place. Um, and I think I'm first going to start just with uh, human interaction. So just the, the skin to talk about. Jan, mm -hmm. have you... Um, mm -hmm. You're quite early in your career, uh, but and I don't know how many, mm. how many topsings. Can you say that in English? Topsings, swab, swabbing. Swabbing. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but we say tops many, in Swedish. <laughs> how many swabbings you've done? But it's uh, a nice word. Yeah. Is it yeah. almost always the same bacteria that you get, or or does it differ much? It really differs. I mean, we, as I said before, we all have our own microbiological fingerprint. And it really depends um, also where you've been or the people you've met. Like your microbiome uh, on the skin today is probably going to change tomorrow already a little bit uh, just from the things that you've done today or the people that you've met today. Um, so... It is actually uh, so vast that every piece is go always going to be uh, different. Of course, there's some commonly found uh, things that almost all of us have, but then it's, it's in a different concentration or in a different interaction. And then you have very specific things yourself as well. Is it different with age or uh, is it too early to say? Uh, that's too early for me to say, actually. Uh. But it's, it's an interesting question. And I'm sure a professional microbiologist could give you a very smart and uh, immediate answer to that. No, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's the yeah. nice thing that I'm still connected also to, to microbiologists. I'm not working in a in an, uh, yeah, kind of vacuum. I, uh, if I have questions uh, that are very immediate or that I need an answer to, I know who to ask uh, and I know where to get an answer from. Hmm. But just to sorry, just to make sure, uh, or just to uh, state that, Jan, once you've done the, mm. this piece of jewelry, the bacteria mm. is just completely dead, so the pattern won't change. Just making that clear. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I I always say it's a modern fossil because it sounds nicer than the bacteria oh, is dead. But beautiful the, <laughs> modern fossil. The the outcome is the same. Uh, so basically, when you when you have the bounced in, uh, the the uh, the Yellowstone, I forgot the uh, English word right now, uh, but uh, where you basically have little animals uh, fossilized in from what drips down from the tree. It's basically a very modern version of that uh, that I do. Mm. The, the foundation for Jurassic Park. 
movie. Exactly. <laughs> One day maybe uh, someone's going to find a piece of jewelry or a bacteria lamp and they can reconstruct uh, the microbiome of the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite bacteria when it comes to appearance or how they what they look like in your uh, pieces? I mean, they're all my children. Like, how can you <laughs> expect me to say this now on video? But uh, yeah, of course, there's there's some that uh, that have very much fascinated me and that I've worked with a lot. Um, but I'm always surprised uh, because there's so many different colors. And if you think or if you thought you've seen it all, um, you always get a new favorite. And I've actually started. Uh, because I traveled quite a bit uh, with my art and my design in the last couple of years, I started to actually collect uh, the microbiome of different places. So um, there's very, very beautiful pieces that uh, can very much connect to, to spaces such as Tokyo or Stockholm or Berlin um, that I'm going to use in the future, hopefully as well, to make like series of, of yeah, these places. Mm. Mm, of course, you, when you say that, you know, you don't have to make like romantic uh, pieces of jewelry. You can also take, uh, or, you know, it doesn't have to be from humans. It can be from, from places that you would like to carry around. Exactly. Yeah. It can also be from the place that you grew, grew up, uh, the place you grew up in, mm. for example, that is very sentimental. I mean, not many of us maybe uh, still own that place. Um, so you have to ask for permission before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's also that's also important for everything. It's always to ask for consent, of course, mm -hmm. uh, because um, I mean it's not uh, physical part so much of us. It's our microbiome on the skin, but it's still part of us, of course. So it's uh, the question of consent is of course also very important and needs to be fulfilled by the customer. But it's good in Sweden we have the, the allemansrätt. You know, you can put up a tent anywhere, so I guess you can also take swabs swab of, from, from, yeah, from <laughs> any from place. No, any, exactly. any place. I, I was just thinking about the, the microcosmos and, uh, and, and, and taking just these earth samples uh, from, from places. If you, if you go on a plane and you say that you have some earth samples in, in your bag, you are probably uh, super okay and there will be no uh, trouble at all in flying. But if you say that you have bacteria samples, mm -hmm. you will probably uh, need a special permit. When you go through customs. Exactly, absolutely. And I mean, they travel in us, around us, on us. Um, but yes, uh, even when the, the, uh, the pieces are traveling, um, what it is basically, because it, of course, in the beginning it was bacteria, but now they're, they're basically, they're dead, they're non-viable. Uh, so they're just biological color in a way. Um, so, and that makes it sound, of course, also very much less dangerous uh, than saying, it's basically like you say, like when I say I have a vial of, of dirt or like a, a, a bottle of sand from my, from my beach vacation with me, it's something different if you declared like I, I have a, a bottle of bacteria from the place that I've just mm. been. <laughs> Um, so it's always a, a question of like uh, which way you want to approach it with. Mm. Uh, can I ask you, John, then, uh, what obstacles do you meet in your work then as a designer designing with bacteria today? I know the road hasn't been just smooth making these swabs and uh, tell us. No, of course. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's 
a lot of times when you do art or, or design or anything, and you're kind of uh, having new experiences or trying to go path that path that uh, not many people or no one has gone before. And uh, working with microbiology in the way that I do um, is, uh, from what I know, very unique and, and, and very, very new. Because, of course, microbiology is used already in a lot of things and a lot of products, such as, as your company, uh, Pure Effects, uh, to clean. But it's always staying in this like, microscopic scale that you can't really see it. Um, I'm actually multiplying them to a degree that they're visible to the bare, bare eye and then uh, making them non-viable. Uh, but that uh, brings new challenges and also new challenges to the organizations that are actually responsible uh, when you work with these kind of, uh, yeah, with these things. So I had a lot of conversations and long conversations um, with uh, institutions here in Sweden that are responsible for it. Um, and in the end, I think it's it's more of a, a work safety issue because as soon as it leaves uh, my my place or my lab, my small lab, then it's it's already dead and it's just basically color. Um, but uh, the the workplace, of course, has to be up to standards to work with this with these microorganisms, and I have to con confine with the with the rules that are given in a microbiological lab. Mm, but it's also like Folkhälsomyndigheten um, has their opinion when you send swabs yes. uh, on the mail. <laughs> yes, I, I mean, I, I've, I've had uh, conversations uh, with Folkhälsomyndigheten because it's, there we are again with the vial of, of dirt that you send from place A to place uh, B where no one's saying anything. Uh, but when I said, like, I'm going to send, like, this kit and it's a cotton swab and then they send it back with the, with the bacteria, basically, and they were like, oh, that's, that's not possible. Like, that's, uh, that's a biosafety issue. They, you have to comply to a lot of different things there. And when I, when I said that, uh, they, then I asked them, okay, but uh, how do all the DNA tests do it? Because they actually, the DNA tests, you, you put spit in a vial or you swap the inside of the cheek um, and send that, mm. and that is, uh, as I said, it's, it's way more pathogen, like the chance of having pathogens, and that is, is way, 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 way higher. Um, and then they, she was like, oh, that's, that's, a very good, uh, <laughs> that's a very good question. So, <laughs> oh, I didn't think of yeah, that. Exactly. But I, I felt like, okay, if I, if I can't do it, if I get pulled down by that, then I'm going to pull a, a very massive and strong industry down with me because they probably have the right or like the money to fight. <laughs> But uh, yeah, there there are ways to send these kind of samples in a in a in a conform way, and now everything is, is kind of concluded with that, and I know how to do it, and uh, it's it's quite simple, so that's really good. But it's mm. always a dialogue. It, it's such a great example, Jan, that you're telling us because that's what we meet all the time. You know, telling people with you know to clean with bacteria. Um, that can be challenging sometimes. And it's just because some, I guess we ask a lot of people, they have to think a bit differently from what they've done always. You know, We have certain ways that we've done things for ages. And uh, of course it can be challenging to do it differently. But there are pathfinders, right? Struggling on. We, we, sometimes, Joachim, we talk about, um, you talk about 
etablissemangets ofelbarhetsdilemma in Swedish. I don't know how to translate this. No, but but in English I translated it uh, on Google and it's the establishment's infallibility dilemma. <laughs> yeah, can you translate that to some kind of... <laughs> yeah, but that's what we, uh, what, we, uh, what we all meet when we, knew, uh, when we do new things. Everyone that does something new that hasn't been done before is always questioned whether it's uh, this is really good because uh, if it was good the establishment would already have done it and implemented it mm. uh, so if the right way to clean or the right way to do uh, art was with bacteria then everyone would do it right so i just sit here and i wait and I'd, i will start doing it when everyone else is doing it but of. it's uh, it's exactly what you said but it's also um I mean, we we live in a society where the, where companies have been growing to insane amounts or like unimaginable, uh, yeah, size, and of course the cleaning industry is is not an exception. They're often also part of of like very very other big uh, conglomerates of of brands, and of course they have a lot of power, and and, and this power is also to to educate people in a, in a way that you want. Um, I encourage everyone to to just go on on a video website such as YouTube and to Google uh, yeah antibacterial kind of products like the commercials for the for that it's absolutely hilarious but it's like always playing with the fear and if you want to be a good mother if you want to be a good uh, parent father uh, just uh, you have to keep the house clean from bacteria because otherwise it's your fault if your kid gets sick of something. And um, I think it's really hard to to uh, actually get your voice heard because we as companies, I, I just talk now for you as well, I think, uh, we don't have the budget that these companies have and the reach that these companies have with these budgets. So it's a slow process. But if, if it's enough people, enough brands, enough, uh, yeah, kind of different channels, then of course, at some point, you can also make a change and you can start people to have different thoughts about the microbiome and how to use it and how to live with it. What do you think will be the price if we don't manage to open up our views on bacteria, on the importance on the ecosystem and for our health and so on, to learn more about bacteria? You know, what will uh, that neglect cost? Yeah, it's a very, very... In euros. <laughs> <laughs> in euros. That's, uh, yeah, no, it's really hard to measure, of course. But uh, I think there's so many different uh, aspects to that question and so many different ways to answer that. I mean, there's the aspect of uh, the way that you go, you're working with microorganisms to kind of replace uh, very toxic chemicals that we the, we put in our environment and that is, is uh, destroying our environment also to a very strong degree um, and that isn't feasible uh, anymore uh, in the time that we live in right now and uh, then there's also the aspect that we need to learn more about these microorganisms and we need to learn more about the differences uh, because as I said also earlier on uh, many people don't understand or don't see a difference yet between a virus and a bacteria so in countries uh, where it's not like in Sweden where antibiotics are very 
very hardly prescribed and it has to go through a lot of tests to kind of prove that it's bacteria because antibiotics are just helpful against bacteria. Um, people in, in, in other regions of the world maybe have something that is a viral infection but they don't uh, they don't know that the antibiotics is not working against that at all they just take it uh, we get antibiotic resistance that is more and more on the rise worldwide and and puts us in a very precarious situation um, in the near future so I think it is very, very important for the general public to be educated about uh, the microcosmos, the microbiome, and uh, how to live with it in a, in a beneficial way. Because we usually do in a, in a very um, symbiotic way in our body already, which is just coming natural and which is not seen by us and felt by us. But also our consciousness has to kind of grasp that fact uh, in, a, in a better manner to have a positive change and to replace our manners um, in, a, in a more sustainable and effective way. Mm, mm. How do you think this attitude might have changed towards microorganisms and bacteria in like 50 years? Do you think we will go somewhere or will it be the same? I think it's, it's, uh, it's very complicated. I mean, if I, <laughs> if I can do anything about it, of course it's going to change, uh, but I don't know how much my influence is there. Um, but I think it's uh, it's very hard to say, especially like in this time right now. Um, I think this pandemic has been a huge setback. Um, or I don't actually. I can, maybe I have to take it back. Maybe this uh, this has been a huge opportunity to have a conversation to educate, which hasn't been really done, because people still don't know the difference between virus and bacteria, which is obviously not their fault. But like. Uh, the media and, and we as people have to kind of communicate that better to, for people to understand and to know um, because we already had uh, germophobia basically before and I, I read an article in a, in a very big German newspaper before where someone uh, was writing uh, seeing these uh, antibiotic uh, small bottles hanging off every purse and every, uh, every bag and that it became basically like this, uh, this almost religion because back in the day you were believing that uh, this invisible force was leading life and then kind of this invisible force in the age of science became bacteria. Bacteria make you sick or virus make you sick. Um, and that person was very heavily criticizing that. But now antibiotics have, uh, anti, not antibiotics, uh, anti uh, antiseptics have become part of our daily life just to overcome and, and slow down this pandemic. And obviously um, this has put a lot of uh, people into a situation that they didn't even do before um, just to disinfect their hands multiple times a day uh, to protect themselves and others so it you never know what's the, what the future is going to to hold for you and how things are going to develop but i think this pandemic is a great chance but also uh, both for positive change and a very big threat also for negative change, for negative connotations with this microcosmos that we have around us. Now Joachim's stomach is talking here. He must be hungry. It was, <laughs> I hope we caught that on the... But, but it, was, uh, it was really loud, like a, a truck or something. It was a something. big yes. <laughs> this has been so much fun, Jan. I really appreciate talking to you. I think we could go on we for hours. We have to do this again. Yeah. This, this final, you know... 
spark a conversation. That's such a beautiful expression because that's what it's all about, I think, you know, to, to uh, achieve some change, to, to move forward. You know, we have to, to talk about things and conversation is such a friendly packaging. It's not discussion. It's not arguing. It's not, it's just conversation, just changing views. It's not threatening at all. No. Can I throw in one last question, Jan, or at least from my point of view, I don't know if you have more joking, but, you know, carrying, just going back to the Tiondel project, carrying a jewelry designed with bacteria uh, could be kind of yucky to some people, you know? How do people react when you tell them about this idea? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, that also goes almost back to the beginning. I mean, when I was talking about it and telling people about it, especially in the, in the non-creative industry, they didn't get it because it's, not, it's nothing you can grasp. It's nothing that you usually see. Uh, as I said also in this interview before, it's, uh, it's the microbiome is invisible, invisible and it's almost a bit dangerous. But when they see the piece, um, and then you spark a conversation. The outcome is completely different because then they're already drawn into it. They know what it looks like. They don't have to make an image in their head of something that they haven't seen before and that doesn't exist in their mind. Um, and then it's, it's so much easier to start the conversation and to change someone else's mind about it. Mm. And it's also like, like it's often, at least for me, is with art unless you look at uh, someone or, or something that is very easy to understand. But you need the artist's explanation on what mm. it is and uh, yes. the thought about the piece mm. to, uh, to get it, because otherwise much art doesn't make any sense at all and can be offensive. Mm. And of course, uh, since we are... As, uh, as human beings on this planet, uh, kind of uh, afraid of microorganisms in general, uh, it, will re- it, it will of course reflect when you see a piece of something with microorganisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but if we start talking about it, then uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Mm. They definitely become carrier of meaning yeah, yeah. and spark a conversation. And that's why bacteria are actually the, the most unknown uh, artist in, in this society, or like for the longest of times, because they've been around since longer than we've been around, but they haven't been discovered as an artist yet. Uh, but uh, now they have their own voice. They, they, they draw people into uh, their microcosmos by just looking absolutely stunning and beautiful, at least in my opinion and in a lot of other people's opinion now. Um, but then they give the, the object so many more layers when you learn what they are and, and what they've done and where they come from. So yeah, they're probably the most underrated artist in, in uh, history. Yeah. <laughs> Bacteria is now officially art. Yes, yes. This was so much fun, Jan. Um, I don't think you understand how much this means to us. Uh, we will. Uh, we could go on forever. Yeah, same for me. You have this really nice voice too. Thank <laughs> <Yes>. you. Yes, <laughs> a comforting voice. Yes, it's nice to listen to. And but now we have Joachim's stomach to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> That's an important issue. <laughs> So thank you for joining us in this conversation about bacteria as carriers of meaning. It's about time that we question the big old companies and industries that keep playing on our fear, 
spending all this money on telling us how dangerous bacteria are. It's time to play down this age-old fear and start seeing bacteria more as part of the solution in creating a sustainable society. And perhaps you want to join our future conversations in social media, on our website and in real life, all the time of course. Because that's what change is all about, isn't it? Keeping up the conversations. You find us on Instagram for more inspiration and ideas on the future of less washing, cleaning with bacteria and other topics related to the microbial world that we live in. Also head over to our website and sign up for our newsletter with VIP deals and new releases this coming season. It's pureeffectsweden.com. This podcast is brought to you by With Hoof.